When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, good evening. Welcome to another Forever Blue on XS Manchester 106.1 FM. I'm Ian Cheeseman and I've been watching City a long time. So obviously uh, taking the brick bats from a derby defeat is something I'm used to. It wasn't the best of uh, derby defeats at the weekend, having been 2-0 up. Paul Lake's alongside me, former City player and legend, and a man who also knows about taking <laughs> brickbats after that derby, because I spoke to you at half-time. The typical Lakey passion, I love it, but you went in hooks, line and sinker. You know, you just like me, you were convinced City were going to win that, weren't you? Well, after the first half, geez, I mean, goodness me, you'd never seen a, a more one-sided first half. And it, was, it wasn't just the fact that we were two goals up, it was the manner of the football you know, we were playing beautiful football. We were carving United up at will. Didn't seem to, well, they didn't even lay a glove on us at all in the first half. No shots on goal. And one or two players looking, you can never say they, look, they, they weren't trying or disinterested, but they just couldn't get into the game. And and that was that was the thing that I was uh, I was obviously looking at. And, and with Raheem's chances and Gundogan's chances, you just felt as though it was going to be an avalanche of goals in the second half and continue in the same vein. And yet, second half, we dropped two levels. They went up probably three or four levels, and the and the and the, uh, the upshot to that was obviously three goals in the space of fifteen minutes, and uh, a game flipped completely on its head. Well, you've had some stick. I mean, uh, you just bury your head in the sand and. Well, I put a t- I put <laughs> I put a tweet on to say, do you know what? Um, I've been getting a load, and uh, uh, yeah, uh, I got a bit giddy. And uh, I deserve it, and I take it on the chin. And uh, yeah, you know I'm a City fan, but end of the day, you know we've all we've all been there, we've all done. It. I had I had mates who had United fans text me before half time saying that's it, and having a right go and a rant about United in the second half. They were saying the same things that we were, and yet all of a sudden, when it's three two, they've suddenly got this um, this unique insight that we never had. Because no United fan saw that coming. They don't care what anybody says. 
no United fans saw that second half. And you've got to take your hat off and say, you know, Pogba in the first half went from zero to hero in the in the second half because he was practically unplayable. And passion's what football's all about. I mean, obviously, at the moment, in the, the video vlog that I do, I'm trying to capture people's passion. At the end of the game, I spoke to two fans also who were very emotional at that moment and they're expressing their views as well. And uh, you, I suppose, in a sense, you lay yourself open whenever you're passionate. But nobody can deny your passion because it comes through. I mean, you cut you, you cut me. We bleed blood uh, that's blue. Uh, you know, and the same with those passionate fans. I love to see that passion. I've got to be honest. And 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 whilst there might be a few trolls out there who ridicule it, the bottom line is you can't deny what you are, can you? No. Well, if you look at Gary Neville on the, you know Sky Sports on on Saturday, you know when it was kicking off, you know he was he was full of it and. That just shows you that, you know, we still support our team, we still love our team, and we still get things wrong. We're always learning. I've learned from this this weekend about just being a bit more measured with your point of view. <laughs> and, um, you know, I mean, uh, I, but I'm not sure if I can do that. And maybe in a few weeks' time, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to revisit my emotions <laughs> and hopefully there'll be a job done. But, yeah, yeah, I, I, I did get a lot. And I got some more measured comments, but luckily I've been able to block the majority of it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a bit of the evening news tonight as well. It's probably the United guy, you know, winding up as well. But, you know, it, it's all part and parcel. It, it'll, it'll be gone and we can we can turn to, hopefully, hopefully, an, an incredible uh, result on them, uh, well, uh, t- for tonight's game. Obviously, the, the point uh, of the this game, the derby and the Liverpool game, it was the collapse. Now, I've said that on, on radio, on podcasts, wherever I've been speaking, that I believe that what happened in the first leg at Liverpool there must have been an influence from the bombardment that the coach got on the way in. There's no excuse like that, of course, in the derby. City were 2-0 up. Raheem Sterling had chances in the game. Um, but the most worrying thing for, for me as a City fan, and I was at the Pep Guardiola press conference ahead of this game, and he said you know, that he, he's aware of the fact that his team at Bayern Munich, and now it's happened a couple of times in quick succession for City, have, have sort of been in strong positions and then conceded very short space of time, two or three goals, which have, in the end, in other matches, maybe not yet in this one, but proven decisive. And that's something he's going to have to address. Is that so, how, how do you address that, Lakey? Well, you're absolutely right, because you felt like there was a, almost a, a period of inertia where people were looking at each other. You know, they'd made mistakes, they were carved open, this hasn't happened before, how are we going to deal with it? And people looking at each other for guidance and leadership. And although you know Vinny has always been that, there's one or two players that have been that have had to be at their best for the majority of the season, and have been players like Nicholas Otamendi, who's been probably our best defender this season. You know, and and you have to say that it wasn't one of his better games. A couple of times he switched off, and and having that mental fortitude to be able to to be that consistent and be at an eight or a nine out of ten for the majority of the season, it takes some doing. And the more we start thinking about the end goal, which is to win the league, to beat Liverpool, to get a Champions League final, to do those things, if we start thinking too much about that, rather than each moment of the game, that's when you, the wheels can come off. And that's what Pep's always talked about, is the next game. On being in the game, then the next game. But obviously, the way that we played in the first half uh, against United... You couldn't help but get carried away. Look at me, I'm a 49-year-old Muppet of a fan. And I was getting all giddy and carried away, thinking about it. You know, and not, you know what? It wasn't even so much for me about it being against United, although I love derby games. It was more getting the job done so they could really focus on a real high for the Tuesday night game. 
so that Pep could have been kind of, you know, um, uh, in terms of his decision making, he could have been justified in the teams that he has picked because fans have been critical. You know, and he himself has said, maybe I've got it wrong, you know, but certainly regrouping now and, 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 and that, that togetherness, you know, has, has got to be absolutely critical because the technical, the tactical, the, the playing philosophy, all that's done, it's embedded now, it's in place, making those right decisions and players still get those last moment decisions wrong. You know, Raheem has been fantastic this season, he's got 21 goals and it, perhaps he knows himself that of those chances, he should have scored one or at least made the keeper make a save. And that would have made all the difference, Of course it, it would. And Gundogan's header as well was actually, if anything, potentially easier six yards out. And if he puts it into a corner, as did Pogba in the second half, then the game's done. At three goals, the game's done. So Pep really has now got to work with the guys, as has um, um, his backroom staff, all of his backroom staff, everyone to a man now. It's a real, got to galvanise the spirit in the team to get over these last few hurdles. You've been in the dressing room, Lake, here, and you, you must have been, not, perhaps not in an identical situation, but in a situation where the team collectively um, have taken a couple of ones on the chin and the manager has somehow got to reinvigorate you, re, get you to believe again. Because a lot of City fans, again, you know, that I speak to regularly, as you know, felt very flat when they left the derby. And there will always be some who are just wildly optimistic and say, stop being negative. There might even be people listening right now who's saying, this sounds very negative. What are you talking about? Of course we can do it. City will win 5-0. Believe. You can't believe all this negativity. But I still I think that the vast majority of City fans will go hopeful and dreaming and will want to win the game. But in the back of the mind, they will be thinking, just as I heard Gary Owen last night on, on XS Manchester Football Social, saying, if you're a betting man, you wouldn't be betting, and even I wouldn't be betting on City coming through this tie. Because we know that if they get one goal, that effectively, you know, well, City got to get five. So, you know, the, the odds are stacked against them. How do you, if you're the coach, and how do you as a player recover from the last two successive defeats and the manner in which they happened? Well, I think there's there's a moment of honesty in terms of that reflection. Exactly what did go wrong and, and who is culpable. I'm putting your hands up and then getting your teammates around to say, right, I'm there with you. This next game, we're going to be there together. You know, and we will get through this. So they you prove know. a point. Exactly, exactly that. But it's, it's that, that honesty really is, is, is first and foremost. I mean, back in the day, we didn't have names on the shirts and sometimes there'd be someone saying, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. And because it wasn't that video footage, it wasn't those clips, you had to rely on someone being honest and brave and saying, yeah, that was down to me. Even risk losing your place for the following game saying, I was at fault there. You know, but that all happened maybe once or twice during the course of a season. So it's going to be a combination of that honesty and then coming together in terms of helping each other out, of giving each other a lift, about about communicating, properly communicating and listening, active listening. What do we need to do? What do we have to do? You know, and that chance to dream. The thing is, what I feel from the City players on, um, tonight is going to be quite simply that they let themselves down against Liverpool and in the second half of the weekend. That And this is not going to be how the season's going to be remembered. And, and unbelievably, there are City fans, there are many other fans, thinking just that very thing, when we've been practically unplayable for the lion's share of the season, have played the most exciting football the Premier League's ever seen. And yet that's forgotten 
in the space of two games because of the magnitude of the games. Yes, it was, it's been difficult. Yes, would you have had it a different way if you could have done? Of course we would have. But that's the way that you learn. You know, and all this time, Pep's learning about his teammates, about his players now. And the teammates are looking at each other saying, right, who's going to respond? Who's going to be that leader? And give, it, give themselves a lift to get the levels back from where they dropped to, to at the start of the game and to keep that going. But it's going to have to be, you know, a, a huge effort. But they have got the quality. They have got the belief and the skill set to do just that. And you were never better against City not being able to score three goals. The problem is going to be because Liverpool are so very powerful and so talented in, the, in an attacking sense. You, know, you struggle to see City managing to keep a clean sheet. It is a collective thing, isn't it, football? It's, a, it's 11 players. It's, it's probably more than that these days because of you know that probably three players are going to come on and, and be part of it as well. And, and obviously in different games, different players play. And I can't help analysing these two games that have just been and looking at it as collective failure rather than individual. Lots of, of the media focus on the central defenders and City are weak defensively. But I think, and, and I'm sure you'd back me up on this, the team defends as a team... The team attacks as a team. Uh, Raheem Sterling missed chances. Gundogan missed a chance. That's part of the problem. In midfield, you have to prevent the ball getting through to your defenders. So the midfielders are culpable. The defenders then have to do their defending. So they're culpable. And the goalkeeper has to make a save. So it isn't just about an individual, even though... At times, it feels like that's what the, the 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 way that the media drives the agenda. But to me, that has to be something that happens in the dressing room. Uh, Vincent Company apparently in the 2012 season did a bit of a like you do Churchillian speech in the dressing room um, and, and galvanised people after that game uh, when City lost to Arsenal and then uh, and, and went on a winning run after that. And I wonder whether it needs one or two of those individuals in that dressing room to, to say, listen, we're in this together. It's not about individuals. It's about collectively working for each other. And, and we've seen so much of that from City players this season, that work rate. And if they can galvanise that, even though I accept, and I will say right here and right now before the game, I can't somehow see City turning it over. But with that attitude, anything's possible, isn't it? It is, it is. And perhaps what Pep will do alongside those key leaders in the changing room to say, look, from, from this point onwards, no defeats at the end of the season. And on the back of that comes a bit more of a steely attitude in terms of defending, not forgetting to defend first and foremost and then look to play rather than trying to get on the front foot every single second that, that, that the boys are trying to do. Just have an eye on that, you know, and being more, more not conservative, but being, being more aware of, of those moments where you have to defend by giving yourself... Game management, that, Just half it? a yard, yeah. Half a yard here, half a yard to the right, half a yard stepping in, stepping back, pulling somebody in a little bit more, better communication, and not being fearful of, A, making a mistake, and, B, having to clear your line sometimes, which City don't often do, and they'll still try and pick a pass out, and Pep won't like that. But on occasion, sometimes that will have to take place. And even Pep would agree that in those moments, it's better to do that because we win the ball back so well anyway. But like you say, I don't think anyone in the changing room points the finger. They, they accept it as a team. The players themselves know when, when, when you're five and six and you make a mistake and someone scores, you know that you made a mistake. You don't need to be told. You know what I mean? And it's the same for these guys. But whether they've, they've approached every single game is about... 
you know, entertaining, about doing your jobs in the best way possible, looking to try and get on the front foot, pass forward all the time, try to create chances, you know, be creative. And, and those things have taken them to a level which has been, been hard for any team to live with. But on the back of that, there has to be a recognition that, you know, sometimes you have to be uh, un, uh, not necessarily pretty. I'm not going to say ugly because Pep does not play ugly. He doesn't win ugly. But just at times, just don't be as pretty as you have been previously, just to be able to see those precious moments out in a game. And as you rightly said, Ian, it's about, and those key moments, game management. We've got a couple of guests coming up in a minute, but I want to ask you one more question before we go into the break, which is about the crowd. A lot of uh, of the people who spoke to me after the game were, were frankly quite angry and saying that they wanted the crowd to make more noise, to react, to get behind the team. Now, I'm not going to be one of those people who even though I could, I could sit here and say, yeah, get behind the team. I've been going to watch City for over 40 years, home and away, and I admit that I'm not one of the singers. Obviously, a lot of this time I've been in the press box or I've been a journalist, but even in the times when I'm stood in the stand, I'm quite a studious watcher and it's the people around me who sing. So I'm not going to tell everybody else to sing, but do you feel it, it needs that to happen? It, it, has there got to be a... Uh, an atmosphere within the stadium which is all-encompassing that helps City drive over the line because it was there at Anfield, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was. I mean, the the atmosphere was was very intimidating. Okay, beforehand, you know, it was almost as if before the game, Liverpool didn't show, for, for a minority, didn't show a lot of class. But during the game, they did. The manager, the players, the fans. You know, it was a performance by everybody and that helped to see them over the line. And I would suggest that that even there was almost like a an invisible sort of shield in, in front of the goal, um, and even influenced the the officials on two occasions. Uh, let's not go there though. But like you say, Ian, it it we need to create the atmosphere like we did uh, at the Barcelona game. Something along those lines. Hamburg's where, another one that's yeah, yeah, to mind. exactly. And about enjoying the experience, enjoying the moment, enjoying being in that situation. What would we have said, City fans, being in the quarterfinal of the Champions League and having a chance to win the league against our arch rivals in the same week? 20 years ago, 10 years ago, even five years ago, that's a nonsense, not going to happen. You know, so we, you know, it's about pinching yourself, being in the moment and enjoying it and being relaxed because we're now not expected to win. But what we could still do is put on a show to really, really light up the Champions League, to light up you know, our fan base, which is growing worldwide. Even if it's heroic failure. Even, even if it is, uh, you know, just a bridge too far to, 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 to try and pull back that three-goal difference. There's nothing better than being a blue anyway, Lake, is there? I don't think so, anyway. <laughs> right, we've got a couple of guests on the way after this. This is Forever Blue, XS Manchester 106.1 FM. Uh, I'm Ian Cheeseman, Paul Lake. The City legend is next to me. And talking of legends, and talking of XS Manchester legends... How about this all being joined up now? Because Mike Joyce, legendary drummer of the Smiths, was at the game. I saw him at the game at the weekend, and he joins us now. Evening, Michael. Hi, Ian. How are you doing, mate? Well, more importantly, how are you doing? Are you, are you a bit fed up? I mean, when I spoke to you ahead of the game uh, on Saturday, you were a very realistic um, sort of... I think the word you used was sort of you're looking on the black side of, uh, of what yeah. could happen. And you were yeah. sort of almost pro- well. You were proven right, weren't you? Well, like I said when we did that thing for your vlog, it's it's like a little insurance policy, and I do it with everything. I, I kind of I go through 
the worst case scenario that could happen. And then in that eventuality of something like that coming around, it's not that much of a shock. It's not a defeatist attitude. What I do is I think it, and then I put it in a little box, and then I put it in like a top corner, and hopefully I'm never going to go and see it again or open it again. And it's just a way of dealing with those things because, like we said at the, uh, before the kickoff, I would say I wasn't nervous. Uh, obviously, Derby days are nerve, uh, nerve-wracking, but it wasn't. I wasn't that nervous. I just thought whatever will be will be today. Obviously, you know it would have been great if uh, the result would have been different. But the fact that it wasn't, you know, we're still kind of holding those. We've still got the aces. You know, we're a better side. We're the best side in in the country by a country mile and you know uh, we've got a, we've got a bit of silverware already um, we've done alright in Europe who knows what's going to happen next week so in terms of that if you're looking at it in a very pragmatic way you know it, 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 it's a good time I mean I mean, look at the way that United uh, were celebrating there at the end because you know you and uh, and Lakey will know you know that those few, not wasn't that long ago when it's like as long as we don't go down and we beat United it'll be alright so you know the tables have turned. So when you're looking at all in all, it's you know it was it was okay. It was okay. Obviously, it wasn't what the result wasn't what we all wanted. But in terms of the long term, which is what this is all about, then uh, things are you know not as bad as as it was uh, <laughs> after the game. Obviously. Well, Mike, uh, good to speak to you. By the way, I, I wish I'd taken a leaf out of your book because I I got sucked into the uh, to the to the moment uh, after you know before half time and, and then seeing it and seeing how well we'd played and just seeing yeah. how that I mean it wasn't I wouldn't even say it was a capitulation. I just I mentioned before to Ian, it's almost like there was a a, a period of inertia where. We're kind of looking at each other thinking, OK, how are we going to deal with this now? And almost a, a, a moment of fragility in terms of, you know, expecting to concede again and again. And we just looked like we were, we were, we weren't, um, you know, we weren't coherent and we weren't t- together in that 15 minute period or so. But in, in terms of that attitude, like you say, I mean, that is, I said that was a pretty steadfast approach to a lot of City fans, Mike, in terms of, yeah, being hopeful, being positive at the same time, having that kind of respect of, of what we've had to live through over the past 20, 30 years and, and, and not losing sight of that. You think that's probably about fair? Uh, yeah, how are you, Lakey? How are you doing, mate? A long time, no see. How are you doing, buddy? All right, <laughs> All right yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, OK, we've got that out of the way. Yeah, so, well, I think it is. I think, um, I, think I mean, it's amazing, isn't it, the way that, you know, uh, I, think I heard Lee Dixon a few, six months ago, a few years ago, so I can't remember, talking about football and say, you know, 95% of it's in your head. I mean, you'll know that, you know, mm. regardless, sometimes, uh, you know, these are your... They're not all very young lads, but there's a lot of kids on there. And there's, you know, the, I think sometimes when mistakes are made, sometimes they're punished uh, quite severely. And it looks as though um, those mistakes, especially the last goal, you know, I mean, if you're going to keep a high line for a free kick, then you've got to be, you've got to make sure that you're going to get goal side. You know, that was a that was a big mistake. I think um, the way that. Uh, you know, those mistakes were made. I mean, look, if you look at some of those chances that we had, I mean, it should it have been 7 or 8-3? I think it should. And, you know, I mean, it was just, there was a bar, there was a post, uh, there was a couple of, you know, misses there that if it's just, I know that you can keep on looking at those uh, misses and say, well, you know, they didn't go in and that's the end of it. But the way that we play and the team that we have, 
I think we have to kind of uh, not get, well, not not get carried away. Of course, we've got carried away because we're doing brilliantly. But you've got to understand, like Pep said about the unbeaten thing. You know, it's not going to happen. It's we have to be more realistic. You know, Barcelona get beat, Real Madrid get beat. Um, you know, all all the great teams get beat. And when you get beat, sometimes, sometimes it's kind of inexplicable. After the, I mean, the, the way that we played in the first half, the way that United played in the first half, and the way that turnaround, you know, was it? Would it really be down to the fact that uh, you know a pet talk would change, you know, that, you know, uh, uh, two sides so dramatically? I don't think so. I just think it's. I just think it just happened, and and you know, there was there was mistake, a couple of mistakes made, and they were punished because you know sometimes players can make mistakes and they won't get punished for it but sometimes it looks as though for the mistakes that we made we were punished and I think um, yeah I mean it was difficult we, we were in the car on the way home and we were saying you know I mean it was pretty quiet in the car as you can imagine but you know I just said well you can imagine how United felt a few years ago when we picked them for the title eh? so you know I mean you know this this wasn't a crucial game it would have been if, if, if they if that would have put United three points ahead then I would have had a completely viewpoint, a completely different viewpoint on it. But because of the situation as it is, you know, we're we're a great side, and we're only going to get better. Well, given what you've said, Mike, about um, you know putting thing, you think something, and then you park it somewhere and come up with a doom and gloom. What's your thinking about this Liverpool game? Are City going to turn it around? Well, I think you know the thing is, they, they can, they can, and they might. You know, that's the beauty of it. Um, it's, I'm not doubtful. I'm just kind of very pragmatic. I'm just thinking, well, let's just go down and see what happens. You know, uh, uh, Liverpool score twice in the first 10 minutes, then no. But if we get a couple in the first 10 minutes, then who knows what can happen. And, you know, we're good enough. It's not as though we're, we're not blagging here. We're not kind of thinking, oh, well, hopefully, you know, if they get a couple of injuries or, they get, you know, if they get a player sent off. No, we're good enough to do this. We are good enough, and I think that's that. And I was saying it before about that Lee Dixon thing when he said it's all in the players' minds. You know, the, the, those City players, they won't be sitting there thinking, oh, God, oh, what have we, you know, too big a hill to climb this. It's like, hold on a minute, look where we are. Look what, look how good we are. The, you don't get to that kind of, you know, uh, where we are in the Champions League and, and, and you know, winning a cup and being at the top of the league with that kind of distance uh, to, to the second place by blagging it. You can't. That's not just because other teams aren't playing that well or they're kind of, you know, not getting the results that they want. It's because we're that good. So in terms of the confidence going into it, it's going to be, as far as I'm concerned, it's we're going to go in there. I think, you know, just look at it as a nil-nil. If we go in there and it's a nil-nil, let's just start and let's just try and batter them. Because I remember, I mean, I was at the, the Liverpool game when they played at the Etihad. And I mean, I know that obviously Manor got sent off, didn't he? But I think it was... I think that, that got us two up. So we won up anyway. I mean, I know that obviously it's going to be different, but is it going to be different because are they going to press or are they going to sit back? I think that they might sit back actually and just see, you know, what they can do in terms of stopping us from scoring and, and try and do something on the break. But I don't think we'll go. I don't think we'll go all out. I don't think we'll go all out, attack, attack. I know that people say that's how Liverpool play and that's how City play, but I don't think they will. I think there's too much at stake. I think they'll sit back and sit back and try and soak it up and see what happens. And then hopefully we know when, we know what happens invariably when teams do that against City. 
Well, let's hope uh, that's exactly how it goes, Mike, the way you're thinking optimistically. Uh, thanks very much. You could say, almost say you've been drumming up the support tonight. See what I did there? Yeah. Mike, thanks very much for Cheers, joining Mike. us tonight. Really appreciate it. Cheers. Nice on you. See you later, like, you Take care, mate. That's Mike Bye. Joyce, uh, who, of course, was a drummer in the Smiths, eh? We got that, Ian. We got that. No need to hammer it home. Thinking. Right, OK. Let's move now to, uh, to the continent. Let's go over to Scandinavia and speak to a former City player, Mikael Bischoff, who I've seen a couple of times at the Etihad this season. He was there at the Derby at the weekend. Um, obviously now a, a reporter and a, and a pundit in your own right, Mikael. So, obviously you can give us an expert. What went wrong in the Derby, Mikael? <laughs> in English as well. Uh, yeah, it, it must be something mentally a little bit at the moment, I think, you know. I think... If you've been a football player yourself, you know in, in, the, in the period where you can see the goal and, and uh, you get a little bit nervous after the goal. And I think at the moment, City, when they can see the goal, they're, they're quite nervous after. So it's, it's a mental thing at the moment, I think. Obviously, a lot of, uh, of, of eyes are looking at central defenders. I was talking to, this Paul bef- uh, to Paul about this before. Um, you played in that area. So do, do you look at the central defenders and, and think, you know, there's a problem there or, or is it more of a team ethic? Um, I think as soon as you know the pressure high up the pitch is not is not uh, working as it did in the first half. It didn't work particularly well in the, in the second half. I think United got more of the ball. Then you can see that, that the, the defenders are also looking more vulnerable. Uh, and I think also they maybe got a bit too overconfident. Uh, Otamendi got dragged out to the to the corner flag with with the first goal, and uh, company tried to nick the ball instead of actually trying to read the game. He was trying to be too clever and. Read the game uh, on, on the first goal. So I think maybe they got a little bit too overconfident. They were too much on top of the game. You saw also sometimes in the first in the first half, company was, was going up and, and, and uh, into the midfield receiving the ball and, and playing it on. You know, So I think maybe it was too easy in the first half and then they, they overplayed a little bit and, and were too confident in the second half. You know how uh, Mikel said before that he was worried about replying in English. His English is actually better than ours, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. It's putting us to shame. <laughs> <laughs> hi, 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 Miguel. Um, there's a question I wanted to ask you: Is that you know, in terms of of um, the the European uh, kind of perspective of of seeing how Pep has um, approached these these two games? Obviously, massive games for Manchester City: the Liverpool game, the Champions League game, and the game at the weekend. Do, do, do you do you think that the way that he approached in terms of his team selection? Would would is is acceptable, or would would you feel that, or the mood is that actually he should have really gone for the derby game and and put the league to bed with his strongest side? No, but of course there's there's this thing about you know tired legs, uh, and that that's that's a that's a big thing. But there's also you know mentally tired, and I think you know I think the the defeat against Liverpool took very much out of them, you know. I know when you come into a dressing room after you have lost the game, the mood is so low, and, and on the way home on the on the, co- on the coach, so they will be they will be very low, and, and he has to pick them up the next day. And, and and the best way to pick a football team up is is actually to to uh, to, to go out and get a, a good experience after. So it, it's I think the, the the lineup against Manchester United was was quite strong. Uh, of course, they rested a, a couple of players, but also you know to, to get to get them into a good rhythm again and get the, get confidence. Before the Liverpool game, I think that was important. That's why there was quite a few first-team players playing. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just interesting because obviously lots of fans here have got different opinions, you know, and, and that's why we love football because everyone's entitled to their opinions. But at the same time, we're also looking at a manager that has achieved a lot of success with some, you know, in, incredible clubs with some incredible teams. And he's, he's, you know, walked the walk as well as talking the talk. So in terms of um, the, the Liverpool game, I mean, do, do, do you see it being a case of uh, a bit of cat and mouse in terms of, as we say, Liverpool just soaking up pressure and, and counter-attack football? Or do you feel as though they're going to go three up top, press high and just play the same as they did at, at, at Anfield? I don't think they're going to do the same as they did at Anfield because they had Anfield and, you know, they're, they're a different team at Anfield. But I think in periods during the game, they're going to go high. And, and that's what we have seen with, with Klopp against Man City. Also at Etihad, during other games that, that they don't go all out pressuring all the time but, but maybe for 5-10 minutes they're doing it and then they, they drop back and, and, and uh, try to, uh, to be compact and then they do it for another 5-10-15 another minutes so, so they are, they're going to change and uh, they're going to they're change between a high press and, and a low press during the game and I think maybe they're going to they're gonna, from the start trying to, to, to press high to actually make Manchester City a little bit vulnerable and you know mentally the thing about Man City was if they concede a goal and and if they don't get into the game in, in, a, in a positive way, I think uh, Liverpool are maybe trying to, to, to feel how Man City are, you know, how their nerves are before the game and, and during the beginning of the game. How do you look back, uh, just to lighten this slightly now, Mikel, obviously we're talking to yeah. you all about the football, but you, you, during your time at City, I got to yeah. know you a little bit when, when, when we were doing Junior Blues and things like that together. How do you look back yeah. on your time at City? Uh, in, in two ways, um, I was actually um, I, I didn't play many games in, in Denmark before I got sold to uh, to, uh, to Man City. So it, everything happened very quickly. Uh, I played very very well in, in the Danish league, but I was not maybe physically ready. So this is Forever Blue, XS Manchester 106.1 FM, uh, Ian Cheeseman and Paul Lake. We're now going to be joined by somebody who you know reasonably well, Lakey, don't you? I do, I do, because the two reasons, obviously, one, uh, Trevor was a, a, a great uh, teammate of mine, but I also ruined the most, probably most uh, exciting day of his football career at Man City when he, uh, he scored a hat-trick. But, Trev, you can this tell us Trevor all about Morley, that. Trevor Morley, by the way. Let's Trevor Morley, sorry, of course. Well, yeah, yeah. How are you, Trev, by the way? You OK? I'm all right, mate. It was great to see you. Yeah, Lakey ruined the best day. Uh, I mean, what it was, I had a slow start at Man City, the crowd were on my back a little bit, and uh, I managed to score a hat-trick against Leicester. We beat them 4-1, and, and uh, but of course, Lakey had to get knock his head off and swallow his tongue. And, uh, <laughs> oh, that you know, day, that right. Start. That was the day, yeah, and it was when the doctor was like, off up in the stand, and, uh, and he couldn't get down to the pitch, so Roy Bailey, the physio, did brilliant, and probably saved his life and the doctor took about four or five minutes to get in onto the pitch as well and you know it was really concerning Lake, Lakey was shaking all over and uh, so anyway I remember I, uh, that I well Trevor I was commentating for the club video up at the top and uh, yeah. it was just horrendous yeah, you to that? watch. Well, we got my goals, you see. That's the exact point of it. That's the exact point of a story. I woke up the next morning, went down, woke up at seven to get all the newspapers to see my, my face in the headlines, and it was just Lakey. Yeah, I felt so bad, Trev. It was all about Lakey. Football <laughs> and then he died. I actually went, I went in hospital. 
Not because I, was, I wanted to support him. It's because I was so angry with him that I had to go in and uh, I thought I bought him a card like you, right? You did. <laughs> I've still got it as well. <laughs> Your great moment, I suppose, was at Bradford, was it, would you say? Well, I mean, at 2062 years, I think people remember uh, mainly, obviously, United game and, and, and the Bradford goal, of course, because uh, in that scenario... Uh, when we uh, we played Bournemouth second to last game of the season, we were cruising three 0 a little bit like the same at the weekend, and uh, yeah. having a party in the sunshine, and uh, yeah, amazingly, Bish and Harry Redknapp and Ian Bishop and Bournemouth, Matty Owens, who I played with later, somehow scrambled back to three three. I think six or seven minutes into injury time, Luke the Bliss at a Kelsey, and uh, <laughs> suddenly it was a bit panicky. And of course, we we uh, we need to get a point at uh, Bradford, and uh, I had a few chances and missed them. But uh, we heard Palace were winning four 0 which is probably a lie, but uh, it meant that we wouldn't actually get promoted. So um, I did score a goal a few minutes from the end. So yeah, I mean that was a it was quite ironic because I remember they called it a million pound goal. So now it's 180 million to get into the champ- uh, into the Premier from the Championship. So, Thank uh, you, Trevor, for scoring. Proud of it. <laughs> Trev, it's all relative, it's all relative. But Trev, you know something, you made a great analogy there in terms of that Bournemouth game for us, albeit to a lesser extent compared to the game of the weekend. But do, do you feel that there's, there's, a, there's a real sense of, of, uh, of, the, um, of, of key players, really, there's that kind of that mental... I'm not going to call it a mental weakness because it's not that, but just that moment mm. where the players just switch off? Um, I mean, my view on that is that... Uh, I think there's two things. One, Pep's got them so, um, you know, as winners, they're mentally strong as winners and they have been winners. And you know yourself, like, it doesn't matter what you say. And I say this about West Brom and Tony Pullis when they get to 40 points. You know, they put the flip flops on. And people don't realise it because if you build every game up to be a must win game, when you don't really need to win them, you can't build it up like that. And I think when City have got so far in front in the league um, it's, it's hard you know of course you want to win it but you know you're going to win it um, that doesn't really explain the game at the, at the weekend because you know you, you it's a United derby and you, you, you've got to win it and uh, um, it was just one of those fluke games you know we, I did the commentary there and 2-0 should have been 4-0 we all, we all know it it was like over at half time so um, it happens sometimes goals change games and uh but I think, yeah, I think there's... I've never been that far in front, Lakey. So, <laughs> Man City, I was always near the bottom, so I never had that pressure. But I imagine that when you're so far in front and you're playing games, it's hard to be 100% up for it. And that's just nothing against the players or pet. That's just human nature. When you know you've got something and it's won, you take your foot off just that a slight little bit. This is a question to both of you, really, because you're players and, and I never played. When you're in one of these situations, and, and obviously Trevor at Bradford and, and needing to get that goal, something, as a fan, you're just praying for a miracle, but as a player, you have to make that miracle happen. And City need a miracle against Liverpool. They need to be, as Pep said, perfect to win the game. Do you, does that come through to you, both of you, as a player? Do you feel that? Is, how do you find that next level in that moment or in those moments? Go on, Nike, you go first. Okay, Trevor. Well, I mean, in, in terms of 
looking at it at from a um, from your, a personal perspective and then from a team perspective is that you know how you that that resolve you have to to, to recognize what you need to do your responsibilities first and foremost and to manage your emotions you know because in in those key moments you know no matter how many times you've done it there's an expectation there was an expectation for city to win at the weekend regardless of the liverpool game on the wednesday there was that expectation and so how you manage your emotions again is key then how you are as a unit how you are that togetherness if you've got a player that because we saw the weekend that the players went from a, a 9 out of 10 to a, a 5 out of 10 in the space of 15, 16 minutes, there was a massive drop. And by the, t- by the flip side of it, United players' levels went up. But be able to manage that consistency and manage your emotions, I think it is absolutely key. What you've got is Pep Guardiola's experience in doing that. And you've got players that have won World Cups, that have won championships, that will have to look back, recognise those moments and how they felt to be able to address what's to come. And hopefully that amount of that, that craft knowledge will get you to a place where you're able to, to learn those mistakes, learn quickly and apply yourself. I'm imagining, Trevor, as you come to answer this now, it's a bit of an out-of-body experience in those, those key moments in games, in big games, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I can't top Blakey's answer. He's always, always, he was always smarter than me. Although he couldn't cut his toenails, he always had long toenails. I can't understand that. I don't know what it was. It used to irritate me. He had the longest toenails ever. But um, I just think there's a difference with cup football. I think knockout stage, and I think the scenario now is that you know, you know what you've got to do. It's not like a league game, or you know, it, it, it is it's sudden death and. Uh, you know, I, I've got a feeling. I don't, I don't think it's a miracle at all. I, I know. I, I mean, I'd say ninety percent it's Liverpool's favour, but I think there's there's a good ten percent there that City uh, can do something. And um, like the Anfield crowd at the score early uh, against Liverpool, the place will take off. I mean, um, I've not really been in the situation, but I remember when I, it was a funny story when I first signed for West Ham. I was cup tied and. They got to the semi-final of the League Cup and I was hoping away and they played Luton on the old plastic pitch. That's how old I am. And uh, I wasn't playing, but they lost 6-0. They lost 6-0 in the first semi-final. So the, the tie was finished, you know. But they came back to Upton Park and there was like uh, nearly 30,000 people turned up. I thought no one turned up, you know. And West Ham was thrown up after 20 minutes. And the place was buzzing. And I, I think Julian did kick the crossbar. He finished 3-0, but, um, you know... I think there's a different mentality. I think, you know, if you're a player at Man City now, it's got to be everything. Everything's got to be perfect. You've got to take your chances. You can't afford to give a goal away. And it'll be buzzing the crowd, the expectations. And you know if you pull this off. And it's the same for Liverpool. They'll be uncomfortable because they know they've had a great result. But in a way, if they won one nil, they're coming here knowing they have to fight. Now they know they've got the game in the hand, and they'll be panicking because they don't want to throw away the three nil lead because you know they'll be absolutely, yeah, crucified. So um, there's, there's a bit of mental to it. Uh, everything to lose for City, everything, everything to win for City, and everything to lose for Liverpool. But um, yeah, it's a tough one. But I think with the players coming back, Aguero hopefully will start, and you know it's going to be the full strength side. It's definitely possible because Liverpool have yeah, shown a few times this season a little bit what City did second half. You know, if they, can, if they concede, they can throw leads away. 
I can tell that you, you have a, a passion for the game, Trevor, and you've played for a few different clubs. Uh, do you still have a passion for City? Yeah, of course. I mean, um, it's, it's a different club. There's no doubt about that. Um, for me, I mean, I remember I'd come like sixth, fifth, fourth, third, second and first. I'd, I'd come through, you know, so it was quite unique because I was 25 maybe when I came to City. And, uh, you know, these lads like Lakey, he had about six or seven of them, 18, 19-year-olds, fantastic players. Um I remember one of my first training sessions we were doing side like sort of you ran down the side and football pitch and jogged across and ran down to the side and I don't know if they did it on purpose but they put me with Lakey I think it was Steve Redmond Ian Brightwell and Andy Inchcliffe and they were flying do you know what I, mean? I thought I'd just come from Northampton town I was 25 I thought these guys were unbelievable they, they were so quick I was, I was nearly dying trying to keep up with them you know so um uh, what was the question again? He's <laughs> <laughs> still got an affection for City. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> well, that'll do yeah, for I, us. I yeah, I, you know, I, of course, I was, at City, I was at West Ham for six years, so and um, yeah, a big passion for West Ham. But yeah, City, the, the supporters there, fantastic. You know, I just wish I could do it over again. You know, because. Um, I feel like um, it went too quickly at City. I felt like I had a slow start. Um, I sort of came in and left for Paul Stewart and, and the crowd liked Paul Molden. So I got a bit of abuse at the start. I didn't mind that because I wasn't really scoring goals. But, I, and, but the fact I won them round and they were on my side a little bit, I really liked that. And I, I appreciated them you know, for sticking by me, uh, not for giving me a hard time, but I could understand that as well. So... Um, Fantastic supporters, and um, it was. It was. I felt like it ended a bit early because uh, when Howard came and we had thought of putting a good team together, and then suddenly, you know, you come in one day and you've gone, and there wasn't much choice of it. You know, and being Bish were sold on to West Ham, and Wardy came in, and it, you know, and I, I love my time at West Ham. Wouldn't change it, but it, it was a shame because it's such a big club, and I was just settling. You know, I was just settling, so I felt. I, I felt a bit cheated that I didn't have a bit more time at City. And uh, what was great was, I mean, I can remember even the Manchester Derby, I'm like 25, maybe. I was like, I think I was about the second or third oldest player in the team, you know? And now, so, now, uh, yeah, now how old are you, Trev? Listen, we've got to stop it there. Trev, thanks very much for your time tonight. Really appreciate yeah. it. Lovely to chat to you. Thank you. OK, pal. Cheers, Trev. That's Trevor Morley joining us on Excess Manchester's Forever Blue. Uh, now, it all remains to be seen whether City can turn down, turn round, not turn down, turn round that 3-0 scoreline. Are they going to do it, Lakey, in a word? In a word? Hopefully. <laughs> See you next time. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.